All right, I have a quick question for you, and you don't have to necessarily answer it out loud because I don't want to embarrass you, but if I made you answer as quickly as possible, what weighs more, a ton of feathers or a ton of lead? It's the same. It's the same. It's a ton of feathers or a ton of lead. One would be a much larger pile than the other, right? But it's the same weight. And this is a reality that so many people in our society, in our church, are walking through. It's not that any one huge thing happened that, that just weighs heavily on their heart. It's not like that, that one you know, ton of lead, but sometimes there's just so many small things. You're like, I should be able to handle all of this. I should be able to walk through all of this. But there's that, that saying of you know, the straw that broke the camel's back. And I've watched so many people, I've watched so many pastors, I've watched so many leaders, I've watched so many people in the medical profession, so many people who are incredibly brilliant reach this point where their life just breaks down because they start to break down. And sometimes it's because one severe thing happened and sometimes it's the weight of thousands of little things that they thought that they could carry and they experience what we term as a mental breakdown. And far too often the church has been silent about this subject because there's this kind of feeling that the church talks about spiritual things and mental health is outside the realm of spiritual things. But I want to tell you, God has a lot to say about your mental health. And we're going to talk about peace today and as we get into this, there's a couple of myths that I think that we need to get into. And I also want to tell you, um, Craig Rochelle did a, wrote a great book about this topic of peace. He gave, has a seven-week sermon series, and I'm grabbing a lot of his content to deliver to you guys um, in, in this. And he addressed two mental two myths that, that exist around the concepts of mental health and church. And the first myth that, that we need to talk about is, first of all, the myth about that, that church shouldn't be talking about it. There's this myth, this idea that if you're a Christian, then what happens is you reach this point where you make a decision to follow God and you get your relationship right with God. And you know, in the good Southern Baptist preacher voice that I grew up around in Georgia, they like to end their statements with us, uh, so just kind of go, go with this. But it's like, when you get saved, uh, then, then God's power comes into your life, uh, and then he transforms everything. Uh, and it's kind of a punctuation, a pause that, that in Georgia we, we use. But it's like, all of this transformation should happen. And all of your thinking should get fixed. And all of your mental weaknesses get corrected at that moment where you believe. And there's this presumption that that's what happens in our faith. But I want to tell you, biblically, in life experience, the moment, and, and, and this is the interesting tension, is that God can and will do all of those things in your life over time. But the misconception is that at the moment where you truly believe God is just going to remove all struggle from your life, all mental health concerns from your life. He's going to take someone who was completely obnoxious and in the moment of salvation, they are actually a tolerable person now. It doesn't work like that, unfortunately. All right? It's not like you pray over your cheeseburger that you're eating and you pray in the name of Jesus and as you consume it, like six-pack abs just develop because spiritually you prayed. You, when you become a Christian, your 401k will not suddenly heal itself overnight. There are so many things of your life that the way that you live out your faith will eventually impact 
Your, your physical health, it should be impacted by your faith over time. But I want to make sure that you see this with clarity, that when you get your faith right, there is still work to be done on your physical body in the way that you care for this temple that God has given you, your body. There's work that's be, to be done on the way that you manage your finances. And there's work that should be done on your emotional health. And as God describes himself as the God of peace, I mean, peace is found in, in his presence. I, I want to show you guys 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 23 through 24. And we'll put this on the screen as I read it. And the Apostle Paul writes and says, May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you. That means make you holy. May, may he make you holy through and through. May your whole spirit soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Now I want to focus in for just a minute where it says the God of peace. Now he, he describes himself this way because he wants us to understand, first of all, when you have a need for peace, you will find peace in his presence. And so many of us, we go searching for peace in lots of different places. The best place for you to find peace in the middle of an emotional breakdown, the best place for you to find peace when things are getting difficult is to just stop everything else and get into the presence of God. When you remind yourself of his power and his faithfulness and his wisdom, that he is surprised by nothing, that he can take anything and use it for his good. And when you just get yourself around him for a little bit and you're in the presence of the God of peace, that peace wears off onto you a little bit. So if you don't have peace, if you're lacking it, know that you can get it from him. So many people that have genuine faith, they, they have a strong faith to do incredibly great things when, when they're faced with emotional conflict. It's like in one area they can be so strong, but in another area it, it, they're, they're, they're so weak. And men, you know, I, I relate to this this way, that when, when someone I care about tells me a problem that they're having, like with anxiety or depression, and it's something that I just absolutely can't fix, and, and I, until I was writing this, I didn't really think of it this way, but some, this is going to resonate with some of you men. Like someone is telling you something and it's an emotional issue and there's nothing you can do. And it's like, I just wish I could punch your depression in the throat. Like I would totally bare knuckle box your depression if I was able to do it. Like I would spill my blood. I would do whatever I had to, to fight this and get this off your back, but I can't do it. Like a physical fight is so much easier for so many of us than dealing with things that are emotional. Because we, we, can't, we can't see it, we can't attack it. It, it it's, we need a whole different game plan for addressing it. And in scripture, we so many, see so many great examples of people that it's like, when they have the visible opponent to fight, they can do well. When you look at the prophet Elijah, he faced off with over 800 prophets of, of the religion of Baal who, who were doing despicable things in the sight of God. And, and his faith was on display, and, and he stood up in this beautiful moment, and, and God showed up. But then right after that, Feelings of depression and fear set in and he went into hiding as if like, God, are you going to show up? And it's easy to, to deal with the person, to fight the person, but it's hard to fight the internal fear that's within us. David, King David, who was the one, you know the story of David and Goliath. He sees a giant who's profaning the name of God and he's like, I will fight that person with a stone and a sling with no fear. 
But when he gets off by, gets by himself, he, he has these moments where he struggles with abandonment and anxiety and fear. And it's like, how is this person who can step up and fight a giant the same person that we see him writing these laments and psalms of just, God, where are you? Things are terrible. Things will never work out. And, and it's this truth that I want you to see that your faith in God, it, it might be strong enough to say, he'll knock down the giant. He'll do the impossible thing. But my anxiety and my worry and my depression and my emotional status it's possible to be in a place where you haven't let God touch any part of your life in that area. It's possible to show up and be part of planting a church, but feel like God can't do anything about the anxiety that grips your life. And if you have anxiety and if you've had depression and you've had struggles with your mental health, I want you to hear me clearly. The answer isn't that your faith isn't strong enough. It's just that maybe all of your attention and your faith hasn't been placed into that area of your life. It's so easy for people to have blind spots in their faith where it's like, my faith applies to this area of me, but God doesn't touch this and the church doesn't talk about this. And so I want, to, I want you to know clearly from the pulpit here at Gulfside Church, God cares about your mental health. The church should be talking about it. And we've seen so many heroes of the faith that, that God did great things through struggle with mental health. And so it's not that your faith isn't enough. It's that we need to begin to apply. And there's also practical things about our mental health that we need to do a better job of caring about. There, there's, the, there's the principles of, you know, when I feel anxious, I need to get into the presence of God. But also we need to look at, so there's some very practical things that affect our mental health. There's things of who we spend our time around. And scripture is very clear that the companion of fools suffers harm is what Proverbs say. And if you're spending your time around people who are dragging you towards destructive patterns of behavior, it's going to affect your mental health. If you're not eating well, it, that is going to affect your mental health. If you are not allowing your body to exercise and be active, all of these things are part of caring for the body that God gave you. And they're things that we need to look at and say, this this is part of my spiritual life. This is an extension of how I honor God. It's not that God's sitting there and being like, keeping a list of like, oh, Paul ate another donut. That's another check in the sin box for him. That's not what this is about. But God has designed you that you're supposed to live in joy. You're supposed to live in peace. You're supposed to live in health. And so there should be balance in how we take care of this body that God has given us. And it's been proven in studies time and time again that when we don't take care of our body, it has implications in our mental health. And when your mental health is not where it should be, it affects all kinds of your spiritual areas because there's been so many times where so many of us have kind of uttered a statement like, I just can't people today. Like, I know I'm supposed to go to church, but I just, I can't be around people today because there's just too much on my mind and heart and I'm worrying about too much and I just can't deal with anyone else outside of me and then we have to then put what we're feeling up against our instruction of scripture to not forsake the assembly of the believers. 
We're called to love our neighbor, but because we're so stressed out, we just have no tolerance for one more person in our life. And so we avoid ever talking with them because we just don't have the mental capacity. And I'm gonna tell you, your mental health is connected to following the commands of Christ. And so this has to be an area that we, we lean into. This is something that God cares about. I think this is the second myth, um, that God doesn't care about your mental health. God does care about your mental health. That's why he's, he, he tells us he's the God of peace because he knows we're gonna have a need for peace and the greatest peace that we will ever find is in the presence of God. And so we seek after him. I, I, we've been seeking after so many different things to try to solve that peace and, and none of them work and it leads us to places of deeper depression. I'm gonna reference a lesser known person in scripture here and if you're a child of the 80s, you're gonna, you're gonna go in a, a, a wrong direction here. Um, in, in scripture, there, there's, there's a person in the Old Testament called Heman and it is spelled He-Man if you read it in scripture. All right, so just so you know, this is not Castle of Grayskull like fighting Skeletor. Heman. He, Heman lived around the time of Solomon. And in, and in fact, he was the one who anoint, he, he was the grandson of Samuel. And so, I mean, he was there for the anointing of David and Solomon. And, and he was, when Solomon's wisdom, which scriptures describe Solomon as being the wisest person who ever lived, it actually contrasts his wisdom against Heman because he was so intelligent and he was so spiritually deep. He was there when the Ark of the Covenant was brought back into Jerusalem. He was a Levite, he was a leader, he was brilliant. But one of the Psalms that he wrote, it's different than the Psalms of David because when David wrote Psalms, he would do his crybaby, 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 but God is faithful at the end. Heman's Psalm, his lament, there's like no good news. Like, it's like, this is where I'm at, period, done, pen down. I want to read you just a couple excerpts from, from his psalm in Psalm 88, verse 3. This is not coffee mug t-shirt stuff, all right? We'll put this on the screen. I am overwhelmed with troubles, and my life draws near to death. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am like one with, without strength. I am set apart with the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, who are cut off from your care. But I cry to you for help, Lord. In the morning, my prayer comes up before you. Why, Lord, do you reject me and hide your face from me? You have taken me, you have taken me from me, friend and neighbor. Darkness is my closest friend. It's like a Paul Simon song just broke out there at the end. I mean, I think that's the inspiration there. He was described as someone with incredible wisdom. He was described as someone who led worship amongst Israel. I mean, he was a leader in the church, but he reached this point where he said, this is where my heart is at. And, and when I, why, why was this included in scripture? I mean, there's not great news in there. It's included in scripture because God needed to get to the church and to his people that you will have times of mourning and it's appropriate to mourn. You will have times where your mental health, it is, it is at a low point. And I want you to know the thing that you cannot do is enter into these points and act like everything is okay. I'm gonna make some medical, um, some medical people probably uncomfortable with this description. But just imagine with me, if these were some symptoms that you started to feel. You're like, man, I, I've got some chest pain. In fact, it kind of radiates around to the back and in my shoulders. And I'm feeling lightheaded, like a, a, a little bit faint and short of breath. Maybe I should, maybe I should go to a doctor. And you, and you tell your spouse, I'm going to go see the doctor. And like, okay, that's fine. Go and do that. And just so you know, if you're not a medical prof professional, 
Those are the symptoms of a heart attack. You are about to die if those are your symptoms. Do not go to the doctor. Go to the emergency room. Call a paramedic. Things are bad if those are your symptoms. And so you have these symptoms and you just go to your normal doctor and as they come in and they talk to you and they say, well, how are you doing? You sit there and you say, oh, I'm feeling fine. It's like, well, why did you schedule the appointment? Oh, just normal checkup. And, and, you get, and you just tell them and you just lie, lie, lie. Everything is fine. And they're like, are you sure? Because, you know, the, the symptoms you told us sounded like a heart attack. That sounded pretty serious. No, everything is fine. And you go home and you tell their spouse and they say, oh, that was, you're so brave. That was so good. The problem at hand is that you're overinsured. Your spouse is like, insurance money is coming, just let it go. Not a good situation. No one should ever look at you when you're about to have a heart attack and you lied to someone who could help you about your symptoms. No one should ever look at you and call you brave for pretending everything is okay. Because you were there with someone who could help you. And you might say, well, I was afraid to tell them because if I told them, they might cut me open and they might do surgery and what's on the inside will be visible and people will know what's happening and people will know that my heart wasn't healthy and I don't want to go through all of that. Well, if you don't go through it, it's only going to get worse. Now hear me. If you've been struggling with depression, if anxiety has been stealing your peace and you continue to act brave when you have fear that's in your heart and you have friends who check in on you and you just lie to them because you don't want to open it all up, those are the people who are supposed to help you heal. And it's not healthy. It's not brave to pretend everything is okay when it's not okay. And it keeps you from the help that you need to receive when you're hurting. And I understand to open up about what's going on the inside. It can be scary, but this is the way I want to say it. Getting help isn't a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. Getting help, it's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of wisdom. And if there's stuff that has been going on, if there's fear that has a hold, whatever it is, it's been robbing peace from your life. You know it by name. But if you haven't talked to anyone about it, that's where healing can start to happen. We, we don't want to hide from those who can help us heal. We don't want to hide from those who can help us heal. So if there's something that's been hidden, bring it out to the light. And, and, and God calls us in our life. He, he says, you know, love me with all, all, all of your mind, all of your strength, all of your body. All, or some translations will say soul, spirit, body. Our mind is supposed to be an area where we honor and we love God. And if there has been something that has taken root, taken hold in there, we need to begin to change patterns, change behaviors, change, change the way that we think. In Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, we'll put this up on the screen. It says, the steadfast of mind will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you, trust in you, God. Now, we would all love to have perfect peace. Keep that up on the screen for me for just a minute. When it says the steadfast of mind, 
This word in Hebrew, it's interesting because we translate steadfast of mind. Do you have any people in your life who talk this way? It's like, they're like, I'm not going shopping, shopping. I'm just going shopping. That doesn't make sense in my mind, but it's like, we don't, like, we need to talk. It's not a talk, talk, but we just need to talk real quick. As if like repeating the word twice makes it a completely different meaning. I, you might, if, you, if that's you, maybe you, you grew up in a Jewish family because that's kind of an origin. When, when we see this perfect peace in the original language, the way that it actually says that is it peace, the word peace is shalom and it just says shalom, shalom. And it, and it does that to give it that emphasis and it means that, that perfection, that full peace. And so when we read this, it says, you know, to, to have that, that perfect peace, that shalom, shalom, the way that we get there is being steadfast of mind. So what does it mean for us to be steadfast of mind? The, the, the word that's there, what its translation is, its actual word is samak, but it means to prop, to rest, to put your full weight on. And so what it's saying is if we want to maintain perfect peace, then our mind needs to put its full weight on God. Like our, our mind, the, our, our thinking process, it's like it needs to be so just built on the foundation of who he is. And, the, and we lose peace. Our peace begins to disappear when the picture of who God is disappears from our life. Uh, another way, in, in another place, in, in Song of Songs, actually, it uses the same word samak, where it says, you know, the, the steadfast, to like to be built upon, to rest upon. It, it says, God, it says, you sustain me with raisins and refresh me with apples. And that term of being refreshed, it's that same word. Because it's drawing this, it's like it's built on it, like my life is built on it. It's refreshed by it. And so if we are searching for peace, this is where it's going to get real practical real quick. When you feel like you need peace, what do you do? Like if you think about it, like your normal gut reaction when stress happens, I know when I'm super stressed, my gut reaction is I need to take a nap because I just, I would like to lose consciousness right now. Like that, that, my wife will tell you, that's one of my go-to moves that if I'm super stressed, I just need to take a 45 minute nap, shut everything off. I know another common one is, you know, to just do the scroll, to just mindlessly scroll through things. Some of us, it'll be Netflix, just, just binge and watch some shows. Some of us will turn to substances. And I want to ask you this. The things that you turn to when you're stressed, will any of them actually heal the, what's causing the stress? Will any of the things that you turn to, do they just distract you or are they actually a foundation that can bear the weight of what's happening in your life? Because if you want to get to peace, like I understand, that will help you escape for a minute. But if you want to actually get back to the footing of peace in your life, then I want you to consider a change of habit. And it's fine if you want to grab your smartphone, but load up some praise and worship music instead of your favorite social media. That if you're trying to escape stress, load up your Bible app, load up YouTube, and instead of just looking for some funny, distracting video, load up a sermon and listen to a message about God's faithfulness. Because when your mind is, is steadfast, when it's built, when it's refreshed by who God is, it changes the way that you view your problems because you recognize, I have this God that is bigger than everything else 
that, that, that is guiding and directing my path. And then I have these worries that are over here. And when I look at him, I understand that they're small, but when I only look at them, they look like they're, they're an immovable object that I cannot push through in my life. And as I, as I started off with the concept of, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back, there, there's so many things. There's so many things that are, that are fighting for our attention. And band, if you guys want to come up, I'll begin, I'll begin to wrap this up. There's so many things that are fighting for our attention. There's so many things that we see. There's so many patterns of the world that we fall into of toxic behaviors. And it's like there's stress that's coming in and it gets heavier and heavier. And people say, if you do this, it will relieve stress. Just go have a few drinks at the end of the day. It will relieve stress. Just, you know, don't, don't commit adultery, but just a little flirtation on the side. It's not going to hurt anybody and it will relieve stress. There's so many different things that people will fall into as if they will relieve stress, but what they actually do is they incur and cause more stress. And there's so many things that are fighting for your attention that you have to begin to, it's a spiritual move and it's a mental health move of say, what can I do that will actually restore peace to my life? As a parent of four kids, and I don't know that I've really mentioned this, we have 12 dogs in my house right now I'm a one dog person, people, one. But our dog had puppies, which was good and planned. But, but we have so many living creatures that are vying for my attention right now. And all of them can make sounds. Most of them can ask for something. And then there's all the, the pressure of the things that I feel like I should be doing. And so, I'm, I mean, literally there's times this week where I've had four people talking to me, three people texting me, and people calling my phone number nonstop. Because my phone number is the Gulfside Church phone number. If you need me, you can get me. But I had some moments where it's just like, I can't answer all eight things right now. I can't fix all, I can't fix everything that's going on right now. And in the moments where my heart was anxious, I had to make the decision of the one thing that I'm gonna deal with right now, like the one place where my attention will go. Cause you've seen this with kids where it's like, they're all asking you for something and you begin to talk to one and the rest of them just kind of shut up because they know, okay, he's talking to this one right now. Like you need to have that moment where you say, okay, I'm gonna talk to the Lord and everything else is gonna have to shut up right now. Because if you want peace of mind, you can't continue to give pieces of your mind everywhere. You've gotta focus it down right now. And this is the mental health and this is the spiritual move of saying, God, in the middle of my anxiety, you're the God of peace. And I know that you want that peace, that, that holiness to saturate every area of my life, that you want me to be sanctified through and through and so before I deal with these things that must be dealt with, I'm going to spend a moment with you. Because these things might steal my peace, but you'll restore it. These things will take from me, but you will give. And so that has to be the starting point. When you feel the pressure of anxiety, I need, I need that to be a warning sign, a wake-up call to your faith that says, I need a moment with God to settle my heart For the smaller things, that's how we react. But if you are in one of those, it's been a season of depression. It's been a season of fear. It's been a season of anxiety. I want to tell you, you're in the right place. Not just because I know there's other people walking through the same thing, but because in God's presence in his church, this is where you can find hope and healing for that feeling that you've had. But you've got to come out of hiding with it. You've got to come out with expectation 
that God is not ashamed of you or embarrassed of you. But just even like Heman did, God said, you can talk about it. You can tell someone what's going on with your heart. But I know you and I know me, we have to build up the faith to say, God, you'll actually do something here. If I tell them, you will actually work through this. And so this is where I wanna challenge you today. If you've been hurting, stop hiding. If there's something that's going on in your emotional health, bring a brother or a sister or a friend, come talk to the pastor. Our prayer team's gonna be here at the end of the service and they're gonna ask God, and I need you to have the faith to say, God, I know you care about this. God, I know you're more powerful than this. And I know that you'll act on this as I bring it before you. You have to begin to take the step. And whether it's in the small things of the week of how you manage your stress or reaching this crucial moment where you know I've been in hiding about this worry and this fear where I bring it out of hiding and into the light and allow God to work on it, I need you guys to begin to see these moments through the lens of faith. Because when you begin to see it through the lens of faith, you begin to see the supernatural hand of God at work in it. And it won't be fixed in a moment, but moment by moment, you're gonna see. He will exchange the fear for peace. And I know our city needs peace and I know you need peace. Thankfully, we serve the God who is the God of peace. Let's pray. Father, there is so much worry moving through our city right now. There is so much fear, there is so much unknown and I know that it's in our hearts and our households as well. And I just pray that we would so richly experience your spirit here that there is no room for it that peace just invades because we know that we serve the God who sits upon the throne. And when it tries to creep back in, help us to draw close to you. Help us to just experience your peace through and through all areas of our life. And when everything feels like it's crying out for our attention, just help us to just say, stop. Everything else is stopping right now. And I'm gonna spend a moment with you, God. And as we do that, would you just show your hand mighty and power in our lives? In Jesus' name.